Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Layla, and you're listening to a day of prayer's morning Bible study. We're glad you can join us. Before we get into the word, LaCharles, can you open us up in prayer? Yes. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, and just thank you for giving us this opportunity and this time to come together as a group, Lord, to discuss your word, Lord, and just learn more about it and from different people's perspectives, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for having your Holy Spirit in our midst, Lord, and just giving it freely and giving us the Holy Spirit so that we make it the right choices. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. We are going to do things a little different. Yesterday, there were some, some good points, a lot of discussion, a lot of things we did not get to discuss in our study in 1 Corinthians. Uh, we're in chapter 10, so we're going to continue that. We're going to reread the first 14 verses of Scripture and then um, continue our, our discussion on some of the, the questions and, and dialogue, and then first and foremost, what the Holy Spirit's ministering to us. All right? Okay. So can I get a volunteer to read the first 14 verses, please? I will. More as, more, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that, unaware that all of our fathers passed, sorry, were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, and all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spirit, spiritual rocks that followed them, and the rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples, for to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Do not be, and do not be, and do not become idolaters. Idolaters, mm-hmm. as were some of them, and as and as it as it w- is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor let commit sexual immor- immorality, as some of them did, and in one day twenty three thousand fell, nor let us tempt Christ, as some them were also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain, as some of them. Also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all, all of these things happened to them as examples, and they were ran for our admission, admission, upon whom the ends of ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he, he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has ever has overtaken you except such as common to men. Man, sorry. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond who, what, you, what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way escape that you may be able to bear it. All right. So I'll open the floor to each of you to discuss what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and to ask any questions that you may have. All right? Okay. Okay. Who would like to begin? 
I think Molly was going to continue a thought she had from the last section, right, Molly? Oh, sure. If nobody else has anything they want to say. You're good, Molly. Okay. So as we were talking about, um, yesterday Dean brought up the constant barrage of of images trying to create appetites and desires to lead the people, or and in particular our youth astray to follow after things that they should not, that are not profitable for them, and separate them from God. And we were talking about Genesis Lot in particular, and how at the end of his, his stay in Sodom and Gomorrah, how defiled the land had become, that the men were at the point of forcibly, attempting to forcibly take other males from the home that were visitors to gang rape them and just the the debauchery the sexual immorality the ungodliness and the spirit of the antichrist that was of a that was present in that area at that time and as we come back to verse 13 of first corinthians chapter 10 no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man but god is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So our God is faithful. And as we discussed yesterday, there's nothing new under the sun. The same wicked spirit that is contrary to God is in the earth that was then. And he tries the same schemes and strategies that he did then. And he was, he'll continue to do that until he's dealt with, according to the scriptures, what God has already predestined for him. And for us, we are not just at the whim of the world. We're not at the whim of the spirit of the Antichrist. We're not at the whim of the enemy, especially in regards to our children. As parents and as grandparents, we have authority in the name of Jesus Christ. So our prayer life is important in wielding the word of God with accuracy and truth and skill is important for us. Knowing what God's word says, knowing who we are in Christ, what our promises are, and what he's already committed to to validate and back up with the power of heaven. Okay, so for your children, you don't just have to lay them at the, the whim of the world and go, okay, well, it's just, uh, here you are. That's all there is. We You resist the devil. You submit to God and then resist the devil and he will flee. And also understand this, with the temptations that are coming at the children, God also makes a way of escape that they're able to bear it. So continuing to teach their children the word of God. And it's okay to turn off the TV. It's okay to turn off social media. It's okay to turn off YouTube or, you know, whatever medium is being used to deliver these ulterior messages. It's okay to turn that off and to encourage your children. It's okay. So what if you're not on the in crowd? It's okay. Who you are in Jesus Christ is who you actually are. And that is enough. And being confident that even as our God has been continually dealing with things, he is still on the throne. So I just wanted to say that part. And then, Dean, did you have something you wanted to say? Well, Again, we could talk about this a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Specifically, there was, um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to bring up was that, you know, yes, God provides a way out of temptation. What I was talking about is especially those outside the body, as we would say as Christians, that don't even realize they're being tempted or succumbing to temptation was the one part because the messages yeah. are so prevalent. And I would just have fun with you that um, uh, you're actually, uh, when you're indulging in, um, 
I got to find the right word to say this. This could be easily interpreted wrong. Um, you made a comment. So what? You're not in the in crowd. Mm -hmm. um, but that's. I, I would challenge you. That's not accurate. We actually are in the in crowd. It's the <laughs> others that aren't. We are right? in. Yes, the, we are in the right in crowd. <laughs> right. So f yeah. So flipping the script. We don't. I don't think we fully understand the level of influence that the enemy has had on uh, many of us. Um, sometimes we can even get hung up in uh, the fact of the hope and assurance of our salvation and faith. We just still don't realize some of the impurities that are there that have to be dealt with. And so we certainly have to watch out that for ourselves, but then how we influence the world in that, right? Um, this, this ministry, for me, is not one that comes at it to say, let me show you why you're wrong in the way that you're understanding the word or, you know, you're, 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 you're a sodomite. So you must be condemned to hell. And if that's not what, the, although if you choose to remain in sin, that's probably what's going to happen to you. Um, we can certainly discuss that and we, we can show you where we believe that's there, but it's more to encourage you to look at it from this perspective and then seek the Lord yourself. So the Holy spirit can direct you in the way that you're supposed to live, not follow our set of rules or the way that we interpret things. But, um, like, um, I don't know, I'll put one of the kids on the spot. <laughs> and one of them give me the eyeball, so, <laughs> Layla. So they're it. <laughs> how, how, do, how would you address a friend who said to you, um, and maybe impossible because of some social media influence, that she has decided that um, she is attracted to women, and she's looking for you to accept her in that? What would you say to her? Well, if I had a friend that was like that, I would tell her that she is loved by God. God understands where she is, and he's going to love her the same. Is he pleased with her actions? Is he going to stand behind her decision and support that? Absolutely not, and I wouldn't either. I wouldn't throw her out on her face and go, well, I can't talk to you because you're this way, but I would love her but I would not support that behavior because that would be me standing in the pathway of the sinners putting myself in opposition to what the Lord has said and I'm I'm not going to do that or allow anybody else to be swayed in that position so I'm going to teach her walk her through it and show her this is how it's actually supposed to be and if she insists on staying in this pathway if you will i'm going to seek the lord and if he tells me to end the relationship then that's what i'm going to do but if he asks me to continue to walk with him that's what i'm going to do i'm going to be obedient to what god says versus trying to have a friendship because the friendship here isn't going to get me any closer to heaven okay i think that's a really good answer you know ultimately i would sum that up to say you're going to seek the holy spirit and then be obedient mm -hmm. not i have a set of scriptures that i'm going to Bonk them over the head with, <laughs> as y'all like to say. So, so thank you. You're welcome. Amen. Um, I'm going to change gears just a little bit. Um, for verses one through four, it really ministered to me um, as I was reading this, and. I'll just read it really quickly. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. 
all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Um, verse 5, but with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And, you know, the the thing that jumped out at me about that is, is the fact that you can be... Um, your proximity to Christ has no bearing on the internal state of your being. You can be in the presence of God. You can spend every day at church. You can look at the Bible every day. You can be baptized. You can eat the spirit. I mean, the eight manna, the things that for me are like, wow. But at the same time, that had nothing to do with their heart. And they could still, even being that close where you're literally walking underneath as your physical covering the presence of God so that the sun doesn't hit you in the day and you have his fire to provide your warmth at night and a shield, a protection shield around them and still not love God and still fall, fall to the same um, temptations and end that people that had no idea who God was or had even been, been introduced. They didn't have a fire. They didn't have a cloud. They didn't go through the baptism. And so it really just highlights the point that it's our heart that God is looking for. And being in the building is simply not enough. Being in proximity is simply not enough. It, there's more. And experiencing, experiencing the miracles of the Lord is simply not enough. Mm -hmm. Right? The Lord makes that very clear. He says that Moses knew his ways while the people of Israel in the wilderness knew the Lord's works. They ate the manna that fell from heaven every every day. It was there every morning. They were provided with it. And, and in this, he even talks about the baptism. right? And you can find that in Exodus 14 where the Lord says that he will provide salvation. He tells that to Moses. Stretch out your rod and I'm going to show you my salvation. Right? And you see they passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. And also had the angel of the Lord in the, the pillar of cloud went behind them and protected them while they were doing this. This is incredible miracle of the Lord. It saved them that day, right, from the Egyptians that were bearing down on them to kill them, to wipe them all out. The Lord was our, their salvation, and he saved them repeatedly. They drank from the rock, right? This is also brought up in Corinthians. They drank from the rock, the one that, whichever one it was, the one that the Lord told Moses to strike, and or the one that the Lord told Moses to speak to, right? And water flowed from it incredible miracles of the Lord to bless his people. And the result was still that they would not follow the Lord. They followed all these other things, which came from the desires of their own heart. So I bring that up because it applies to us today. What, Whatever it is, right? Kylie, I think yesterday you brought up this great, this great point about idolatry. And it doesn't have to be in a, well, a golden calf, to use the, the biblical example for the children of Israel in the wilderness, right? While Moses went on top of the mountain with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights, Aaron, the people 
sought Aaron and told him to make a calf so that they could worship this golden calf. And so it doesn't have to be an object like that. Not that it, it can't also be one of those, but it's anything. But I have to ask you this, right? What is your motivation, regardless of the action, whether it's purchasing something or saying a certain thing, what is your motivation for doing it? And I ask that because it's something only you can answer. Other people can attempt to interpret, right, what that motivation is, but it's something that is always looked for. In crime and whatever the case is, the question is always, what was the motive? So, for our own lives, what is the motive for our action? Are we purchasing an article of clothing because, well, deep down we're trying to look enticing or appear enticing to someone else or something else? Or is it ultimately to be pleasing to the Lord? And that's in everything. Everything. If our motivation is to just be pleasing to the Lord, if He is our driving force behind everything that we do, then we will neither be unfruitful nor barren in the kingdom. But if He is not our motivation, that is the Lord, then there's clearly something separating us between, or in the way, I should say, ultimately that's separating us from Him. Something else in our path, an idol before Him, an idol or God, right? That's the first commandment. You will have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. So if there's something else, which is our motivation, then there is something in between the Lord and us. Mm-hmm. So we need to deal with that and take care of that in our own lives. Well, you're right, honey. And so how could we recognize? We talked last week. I was worshiping Christmas trees, and I didn't even know it. Neither was I intentionally doing that. You know, we were talking about motives, and what happened for the children of Israel, what was different between Joshua and Caleb and Moses and the rest of the children of Israel was a matter of their hearts. Uh, I remember one time God, we were talking about the children of Israel, and he, he spoke to me. He said, Egypt was still in their heart. Mm-hmm. While their physical body came out, Egypt was still in them. But Moses came out and God was in his heart. Joshua and Caleb came out physically, and, but God was in their heart, which made all the difference in the world. And they also had to go through the process of renewing their minds, right? Yes. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So then there's the, there's the spiritual heart, the center of man, which we would call the soul. Um, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then there's the awakened spirit that becomes alive to God when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Right? And then we have a yes. physical body. So this, this heart that we're talking about is their soul. Their minds became renewed. They put away from themselves the, the processes and the strategies that they learned in Egypt and exchange that and put in place truth, which is God's strategies, his concepts, his belief systems. 
And I can just remember my own experience with the Lord. Like I, I wanted God, but there were still a lot of Egypt traits about me. I wanted God. So that was my first step that got saved. And my body followed my soul because that, that's how we're set up. Even though my spirit was alive now and had been previously dead, it was alive. And I was willing, I wanted to do the things of God, but I had these subconscious inserts that were the, the traits of the world. The world was still in my heart and it took time for me to come to a place where I knew God's ways and I wasn't living off the world system, but putting a Christian label on it. That took time. It took time for my motives to become purified. And for me to, after, as I spent time in the word and as I spent time with the Holy Spirit and exchanged the thought processes that I had to take his, that he would show me things that I didn't even know were there. I didn't even know it was a thing. And it's a constant process. There's no time that you can go, okay, I got God, I'm all clean. Now I'm just going to go sit down and there's nothing left for me to do. No more than can you take a bath, you know, as soon as you're born, that's the only bath you get. You know, you take a bath right then and then you never get one for the rest of your life. Or, well, I took a bath. I was 20. I took a bath. And I'm good. Never mind. You know, I'm almost 40 now. So, no, you, they're all making these frowny faces. All the kids are like, ew. But, you know, in our walk with Christ, it's, it's the same thing. I can't just get washed one time. I can't just go, okay, Jesus is my way to heaven. Done. There's that renewal process, working out your own soul salvation. Things that I may have struggled with may not be someone else's issue, but I still got to let God clean those up. I still have to do the, the process that goes with them so that I'm not trying to just repackage or relabel what belongs to the world. The world's imagery, the world's desires, the world's processes, the world's strategies. And it doesn't mean that we're silly and like, well, I can't eat food because the world eat food, eats food. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about um, desires. I'm talking about um, concepts. So an example we were talking about, um, you know, people that are, have been engaging in sexual immorality or things of that nature. And as you, you spoke lately, you said you listened to the Holy Spirit. You didn't just try to find an excuse to enact hate on someone by going, well, the Bible says that you're wrong, so I hate you. And I still get to engage in a little bit of violence and self-righteousness towards you. Hating your brother is murder, right? Yes. If you've yes. begun that in your heart, you've already committed murder. That's what I'm talking about. And so now I get to mistreat you because... The Bible says sexual immorality is an abomination. Wait a second. I just put a, I just relabeled or repackaged the same thing. It's still outside of the love of God. But then I said, because I'm a Christian, aha, now that works. Wait a second. When I peel back those layers and I look at it, when, when God describes his love, does any of that match up with it? No. No. But when I say, I'm going to listen to the Lord. I'm going to still offer the same grace and mercy towards you that I needed because your, your sin is no worse than my sin. It requires no more of the blood of Jesus than what I've done. So I'm going to walk in love towards you and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit govern 
how my interactions go from here on out because I have things that I have to consider so that I'm not for forsaking my commitment to Christ, but I'm neither hating my neighbor. I'm able to still love them as myself. That's a whole change of process. And it seems like one would be sufficient if I just do this, but I'm, if I just, God says it's wrong, so I'm going to hate you. But wait, that's not how he said to carry ourselves. And it's a small detail. It seems like it could be the same thing. But when you really examine it with the heart of God, you go, no, that's not what God was talking about at all. That's not his intention. He wished that none should perish, but all come to repentance. And if that means me, it means certainly means you. Right? So I know I said a lot. Hopefully that made sense. Hopefully that was something that was able to penetrate and be clear on some levels. Well, I was just going to say, you you created a really good visual for me as you were describing, you know, walking under the cloud. Although I read it, you know, just sitting here listening to you talk about it. And um, and I like like to... um, because I'm a visual learner, I, I needed to carry out that visual thought sure. a little bit. So um, it's easy to believe there was at least a million people mm-hmm. that came out of Egypt. Could mm-hmm. have been more, but we'll just let's just make it a nice even million. Mm-hmm. If every one of them just had one square foot of space to occupy, mm-hmm. that cloud would have had to have been a minimum of four square miles. Mm-hmm. Four square miles four square mile cloud to cover them. The evidence of what God is doing is always there in our lives if we want to see it. Mm -hmm. And we're always blind to it if we want to be blind to it. Mm -hmm. And apart from the Holy Spirit's initial beginning in us, um, we're incapable of doing it. And he's done that so that we have nothing to claim or boast about. Mm -hmm. But it is always there. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, back to the means of escape and... um, kind of where I was going with the point in that um, it's hard to believe that somebody has a means to escape to something they don't even know they're trying to escape from. Is where I was kind of going. Like, it's really mm-hmm. tough for our society to do that. But I think ultimately everybody knows in their heart. And, and they have to be honest with that. And um, I think that's why so many people, when they, when they make these decisions and they make these public professions about, I've decided to become homosexual or I've decided to leave my wife or whatever it may be. I don't want to Mm -hmm. put one thing Mm -hmm. above another. They're looking to justify Mm -hmm. and they're looking for excuses Mm -hmm. um, to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, most people just want us to tell them that um, what they're doing is okay and we can't do that because it doesn't line up with God's word. That's right. Um, But God's word is accurate. So if there is a means of escape, there really is a means of escape. Absolutely. That's really where I was kind of going with it. You know, it's easy to believe it's not, but it's always there. And he's going to guide us and direct us in that. Mm -hmm. And he would be a liar if there was not, right? But he's not a liar. We know God is not a liar. Go ahead, Mm -hmm. Kyla. Oh, on the same token, I've always been a personal fan of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. (laughs) But today, I, I guess I saw the scripture in a different viewpoint. When the Lord says temptation, that also denotes there's a personal accountability. You're not completely absolved, like you just couldn't help it. You very well had a choice in that. And I always assumed like the Lord was telling me like, well, Kyla, even if it looks like it's hard for you to do this or 
to walk out and carry what it is I told you to do. I'll help you get through it. But also it's a, I have a choice in this and I can have the fortitude and get through and do it. And of course there's things that are going to pop up and try to get in my way to keep me from being on track, but I have the choice and I'm accountable for continuing to pursue the track. And like you were saying, Mr. Dean, like, I kind of disagree that society doesn't know that they're being tempted because it wouldn't be a temptation if they thought it was correct. Uh-huh. So they very well know that it's wrong and they choose to do it anyway because otherwise how could God hold them accountable for it? They're, he can't because he's a just God. And just like Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they didn't know they weren't wearing clothes and God didn't hold that against them. Until they sinned. Then, then they realized. Until they sinned. And then they knew it. And then they, they were accountable to cover themselves and to protect what God has given them. But before then, it wasn't wrong. And there was no temptation. I guess if that makes any sense. If you're talking about on a physical, sexual level, yes. level that wasn't a thing. And it was just them in the garden. So they were well within appropriateness to be covered or not covered. I think the covering came in later just as a means of safety for them. For now, you they have when they departed from the protection of God, they departed from all the protection. Mm-hmm. And his glory covered them so that the physical elements did not um, affect, affect their physical body. Now, the temperatures, the, the dynamic within the garden was perfect. So, they, again, they didn't need clothes, plus they had the glory of God. But when they got kicked out of the garden, they would need clothes outside of there because that's not the protected enclosure that God has created. So clothes today means something different because of sin nature, but basically it's to protect us from the elements and it's most simple format. And then lewdness is something different. Lewdness and sexual perversion is something different, but a baby comes out of the womb. No clothes. No clothes. And there's nothing wrong with that. That, that would actually be kind of weird. You got to pull a shirt out after you get the baby or, you know, (laughs) that that might complicate things a bit. What if it tears? Yeah. Um, go ahead, Dean. Do you have something you want to say? Well, just kind of where you were going, Kyla. And I, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but, you know, I was exposed to pornography uh, around the age of 10. Um, so the, the, um, the physical maturation of my body uh, didn't understand, you know, what it was. But, um, you know, I, so I can say, well, you know, I, I was it's not my fault. I was exposed to pornography. Um, before I was even old enough to have the physical experience as a result of that, we found a pornographic magazine in the alley behind my grandmother's house. I mean, we just walked out in the alley one morning and there it was, my brother and I found it there. And um, so that was nothing that we did that created that. But we also knew, even though we didn't know, there was a lot of no we didn't know, but we did know that, we weren't supposed to be looking at it mm-hmm. and we hid it mm-hmm. and we snuck it home so we could look at it again. Oh. Yep. There's always that thing. When you go back and you're honest, there's always that point. You couldn't help it being in the alleyway, but you could help your hands touching it and your eyeballs looking on it. And you know, all of those things that went on afterwards. Well, at least after we had, we had touched it and looked at it, mm-hmm. we had a choice. We could have thrown it away at that moment. Yep. But we decided we wanted to continue to look at it. That's right. And we clearly knew that it was wrong, even though nobody, nobody ever told us. 
Basically. Never had any exposure to it whatsoever. Uh-huh. Didn't even understand mm-hmm. what pornography was. And of course, this was, you know, this was um, 50 years ago. So, I mean, it, it, this, this that kind of stuff wasn't even talked about. Exactly. But it's in our DNA. But that also, or and, that also brings us to verse 14, right? Which is where Paul completes this thought, right? And it, we'll read we'll 13 and 14. No temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. And then he completes his thought by saying this, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. All right? It goes along with exactly what we've been discussing here all morning. There's a temptation. And Kylie, Dean, you brought that up. And Kylie, you brought up, we have accountability. Mm-hmm. We are going to be held accountable for our actions. What did we do or not do? So yes, there's things that are common to man that everybody is going to experience. Mm-hmm. What do we do with it? Do we fall into the trap? Or do we, as Paul encourages us, flee from it? It's, is that not escaping? Yes. It doesn't say remain there and deal with it. Yes, or like the example mom always gives. She didn't say gnaw your leg off from the bear trap and try to hobble away. No. <laughs> leave the area and don't step in the bear trap in the first place. Exactly. It saves a whole lot of pain and heartache. Right? Okay. So that's for each of us. And it's not to condemn anyone. We have the obligation to the Lord to not put anything before him. So as much as depends on us, flee from those things that are traps and temptations set to ensnare us. I just want to encourage everybody. Mm-hmm. It matters for our own lives and especially for us and our relationship before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Amen? Yes. All right. Well, let's get someone to close out in prayer, please. Lord, I just thank you for today, Lord. And I ask that you will renew our minds, Lord. Get us focused back on you, Lord, and to equip us and continue to guide us in your truth, Lord. Keep us out of the path of the enemy, Lord. Keep us from falling into his snares and the traps that he lays out for us, Lord. And I ask that you will set those who are in bondage and that you set them free, Lord. That you free their minds and their hearts, Lord, and make them open and alive to you, God. Let them come to the realization that you are Lord God and that they desire, they have that desire to come after you, Lord, and to be your son or your daughter, Lord, and to be pleasing in your sight, Lord. And I thank you for our listeners and our partners, Lord, and I ask that you continue to bless them and cover them as they go to their jobs, go to school, Lord, wherever it is that they're going, Lord, and let them be the light and the salt that you called them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, 
find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.